will become a force for good or ill depends on man. Listen real close. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Hey, Towers, what's your honesty parameter? 90%. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? Hello, friends and newcomers. This is 90%, a podcast about putting some meaning back into the madness of the 21st century, where I'll be interviewing a broad range of pioneers, top performers and troublemakers to learn from their work and hard-earned life experiences. The guest of this episode is Christian Gomez Binslow. He's a trained teacher and has worked as a leader within the Danish education system since 2011, most lately as vice principal at Maulikoskolen, located north of Copenhagen. One of the things that make Christian's work stand out is how he and fellow leaders have transformed how the school is led and how students interact in the recent years. In collaboration with Peter Senger from MIT, the school has been implementing a way of working called Compassionate Systems. As part of this process, Christian has been trained by Senger, along with 30 other institution leaders from around the world, to become a master practitioner in the Compassionate Systems framework. The purpose is to bring these ideas to the youth of different nations and create a new generation of leaders that can spark societal change. Most recently, Christian has initiated the Maulgo Youth Leadership Program, or MyLeap, to bring the models, tools, and practices of Compassionate Systems Framework to live among students in Denmark and supporting them to step into leadership. Christian also holds a Master's in Business Coaching from Copenhagen Coaching Center, He's a vivid wine enthusiast, and while wine played a role in forging our friendship, well, unfortunately, some might say it wasn't part of this conversation. We go wide and far. The start is a little bit slow, mainly due to my sprouting interviewing skills, but towards the window and end, it really picks up. Either way, you should feel free to scroll around. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did, and so with no further ado, this is Christian. Hi, Christian. Hi, Jacob. Welcome. Thank you. I will say I am excited about this conversation. And uh, least of all, because you have been the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> And we piloted this conversation a few times. True. I feel like this is going to be the one that's going to go live. I certainly hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. Um, It has been fun. It has doing, been fun doing doing the the warm ups. <laughs> <laughs> it has been fun, and 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 two, I feel like we got better. Yeah, and you learned a lot about the technical stuff. I, I also feel <laughs> <laughs> yes, like buying a, a memory card that's big enough, for example, <laughs> which I've done since we last spoke. Good to hear. So uh, yes, well, uh, <laughs> let's not be too hard on ourselves. No, no, no. Uh, that is a very very wise thing. So. Instead, I think we should just have an amazing conversation, and I'm excited that you are here. And um, yes, I feel like there are so many ways that we could start this conversation. And um, I'm quite excited to talk more about the work that you are doing with um, leadership and with working with MIT, which just... I mean, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. <laughs> so so I think that's exciting. But I want to start a different place instead, mm. um, which is a little bit about who you are, because behind everything that we do, and especially everything that really matters, 
at least in in my view, mm-hmm. um, there's a person. And so uh, I'd like to get to know you a little bit better first. So um, who is Christian? Who is Christian? <laughs> and perhaps tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what mm. that was like. Yeah. Um Who who am I? Uh, who am I today? Yes. <laughs> uh, who do I want to be today? <laughs> uh, there are a lot of narratives, of course, and and starting uh, the story about oneself. You can start in so many ways. Uh, so please jump in and and direct me with some questions if if I'm but you're <laughs> heading from- off a, a, a strange track. But but I'm I'm from Copenhagen. Uh, My mother is Portuguese, my father is Danish. Um, we've been living in Copenhagen when I was a child, but also in in, in the countryside or in a provincial town in Jutland, um, um, where uh, it was a very different environment, um, also different nature, a lot closer to nature um, growing up there. Um, And then I moved to Portugal to when I was 16, 16 to 18 years of age. I, I lived in Portugal to to learn the language better, uh, to learn to communicate with my family. I have a, a fairly uh, large family in Portugal. Um, How many? How many? Well, uh, can we take a break? Then I can try to count them. <laughs> uh, I don't know, a lot of cousins and and aunts and uncles and so my grandparents have died now but but um and you still go visit them once in a I while I still go visit them as often as I can um and uh and when growing up we were there all summers every single summer as I remember it we were in Portugal um visiting family like the the cheek kissing tour of the year <laughs> um <laughs> Like so, that. <laughs> so that was just uh, me, uh, age uh, four till uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age, just uh, going uh, around, uh, kissing aunts and uncles on the cheeks, and uh, and trying to to get a, a little bit of a notion of what they are talking about, what they are saying to each other, because I didn't speak Portuguese at that time. It was when I started school. Um, the the way to go about uh, being bilingual was trying to avoid being bilingual. Um, That is which so is, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's uh, when we when we look at it now, we can see this is that was a silly uh, suggestion. That was a silly recommendation for for my parents uh, to try to avoid speaking Portuguese. Uh, that would have been a gift for me uh, when I when I look at it today. But at that time, that was uh, not uh, not word on the street, but word on the <laughs> on the well, school psychologists and 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 and, and that domain of professionals, um, yeah, clang to the to the notion that that it was better to be uh, with one language in order to be able to learn the second language and third language later on. Mm. Um, so you went to you went to Portugal at 16 and did you live with your family then or did you live by yourself and then explore different parts of this, the country and stuff like that? Yeah, I lived by myself and, and um, 
but close to my family, uh, close to my grandmother. That was my objective to get to know her better. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, what else could I say? My my father is an engineer, and uh, and my mother have had uh, different kind of uh, professions uh, taking uh, in in caretaking, uh, mm -hmm. uh, not not caretaking of of uh, houses, <laughs> but but uh, taking care of elders and children and so. But my father. Being an engineer, we've, and and me eventually starting in, in in university with social sciences, we've had a lot of, of interesting arguments. I think about um, those different paradigms of natural science. Uh, um, well, the philosophy behind the science. How can we know? what we know is true to be true and how can we draw conclusions and all that um, where where we have had some differences I think and a lot of interesting arguments and I can now see that 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 have probably uh, I understand him better now I think uh, earlier on I was uh, I was maybe He was making fun of me being uh, not uh, not as linear in in uh, in in my way of thinking and 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 looking at issues and problems, and um, and uh, so so he was more on the positivistic side, mm -hmm. um, uh, and I was opposing uh, that. But 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 now You're I like a see, true uh, social social realist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I just uh, I, uh, when we when we had our warm up talk the other day, it, uh, I've I've talk, uh, I've think about this uh, since that talk, uh, since uh, when we uh, mm -hmm. our conversation last time, uh, that actually he has probably been more of an influence to me than I give him credit for. Right. Or that I've been. Th Uh, not that he needs credit for anything, but yeah. he's my father. So, so no, I totally, I, t I totally understand what you mean, and I feel like that happens for many. Like, I, I can definitely relate in the way that I think when you're a young man, you kind of like reject a lot in your parents, and then you grow up and you become like a real adult mm -hmm. and 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 a more senior adult, and you get some life experience, and mm -hmm. then you. You get a you get a sense and appreciation about what it is that you actually learned and mm. like what are some of the core qualities perhaps mm. that you mm. got. What would you mm. say is like um, the what do you feel like is stands out that you've learned from your mom and dad respectively? Mm. My mom is is. Uh, I think the the quintessential uh, Mediterranean mother type, uh, caring for everyone, always uh, being there uh, with the purpose of being there for others, not as much for herself. Um, I think uh, her 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 way of of uh, practicing altruism. Uh, is admirable 
and uh, but also at times I find it to be a little bit um, I don't know the English word uh, but can we just pause to to find the English word? Uh, no, uh, let's find it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, it? What do you think? What do you think it is? Selvudsletten <laughs> in Danish. Yeah, um, like um, um, self-destructive. Yeah, but not in in that destruction way. Right. But, but, but uh, maybe not concerning enough for herself. Right. Being more concerned with others all the time. Right. Um, there's something to learn from that, of course. Being concerned with others, but uh, uh, but also uh, being mindful of being concerned with yourself, also in order to be able to uh, to uh, extend that uh, concern for others. Um, well, uh, that was my mother's. Yeah, and and I, I think for my father, I've always. Uh, my image of him has always been that very uh, logical, reason, uh, linear thinking. Um, but he's also very inventive and creative and have made so many extremely uh, wise and uh, practical wise. So he's a man of crafts as well. He can do things with his hands. So he can build things, but he can also draw them He's not an architect, so he doesn't have the ideas of an architect, but he is very functionalistic and very good at creating solutions to uh, problems. Um, and I think I've, I've learned a lot from that. Yeah. Nice. Mm. And then you, uh, you came back to Copenhagen and what happened? You started studying at some point again or... Yeah, then I, I I started studying in uh, high school and isn't that uh, yeah? <laughs> and then uh, of course uh, university social sciences as I mentioned and and was uh, on the path to uh, focusing on international development studies and geography and uh, and at some point I I I don't know I. I became a little bit uh, frustrated I don't know if, if, if that's the right term for it but but I I thought focusing more on and more on more and more specific subjects was not the way for me to go I would like to to be able to in my professional life in my uh, adult life I would like to be able to do different things uh, so so I started to to investigate the possibility of becoming a teacher instead because in Denmark we can uh, at that time uh, you could uh, study to be a teacher and, and have uh, some different subjects uh, and, and in my case uh, geography physical education math and history social sciences so those four subjects are, are my subjects to teach and those are very different subjects you yeah can, you can um live out different parts of the personality if you may and uh, and uh, i like that being able to focus on different things uh, that is and cool. teach uh, children and so. and um i'm wondering like geography is something that i feel like i haven't 
connected with at all since like I was in high school uh, myself. Um, so do you know all the countries and <laughs> and capitals? <laughs> well, I, it doesn't give credit to the subject of geography. Right, that's no, a, that's I know. A, that's a discipline. No, that but is, I, that's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> but, In my dog. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, when I was a child, I was really a geography nerd uh, in terms of uh, of uh, knowing names of uh, things in the world. I haven't traveled a lot because we were always going to Portugal, but I've traveled a lot in my mind and, and on the maps right. and in uh, and in uh, National Geographic uh, movies and all that. So I, I know a lot and I knew all capitals of all countries in the world and I, I w would be able to... <laughs> were able to uh, to take any any quiz i'm just thinking about how ignorant i sound right now <laughs> so so um but let's continue down that track <laughs> so so i'm wondering like what are some cool cities that you visited recently that are different perhaps to where like do you or yeah cool 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 places around the world that that you know of that we might not think about or talk about mm. normally? Well, um, I haven't visited that many places because I've always gone to Portugal uh, when growing up. But recently I was in Yerevan, um, Yerevan, uh, which is the capital of Armenia. I went to Armenia and Georgia uh, in the southern Caucasus. Uh, so a former subject republic um And uh, and with a lot of interesting history, uh, but but I, I'm mentioning this because the, the reason I was there uh, also has to do with with the reason we are together here. I think uh, that um, I was there uh, together with with others to to try to talk about how can we prepare students to shape a changing world in a, a global conference. On that subject, um, so uh, very interesting, and and and, and, and I am now uh, for the last ten years, I think, uh, I've been working as a school leader in different schools, and in the school I'm at right now, we are we're trying to have an approach to, um, yeah, how can we prepare students to shape uh, a world that is changing and. And uh, not changing in in good ways. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, also changing in good ways, of course. Right. But there's a lot of complex issues and, and difficult challenges that we face uh, globally uh, and locally um, that tend to find solutions, I think, or we think, um, that are short-term uh, solutions that are quick fixes, basically. So you're um, looking into how to be different with, with the kind of solutions that you're you're working with, um, yeah. both in the school system, perhaps, and even also with the way you're teaching children to look beyond that. Um, but I'm wondering, like, what does a week in Armenia look like? Like, I mean, why do you end up going there? What's what was the purpose of that trip, and mm. what were some of the some of the experiences that you had when you when you went? Yeah. Well, the purpose of the trip was this conference that we were invited to to uh, to facilitate a workshop um, 
uh, with our approach to this matter. Uh, so that was the that was the reason to go. But I I, I was lucky to to be able to to have a a week of vacation also. Uh, 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 just uh, in the week uh, up to the conference, and uh, and was able to to travel a little bit around in in the area and and see uh, the very interesting uh, nature and very interesting countries and social uh, communities um, and history. Um, but I also uh, also able to um, to visit some schools. And see, for example, the diversity. Uh, one and a half uh, hours drive outside of Yerevan, I visited a school very close to the Azerbaijan border, and there's a war going on between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Uh, there's a ceasefire for many years, but but uh, still some shooting uh, across the border, and there was a school um, very close to to that border. And uh, and where they they were uh, basically hiding behind some trees, so the playground playground was behind some trees in order to to shadow uh, for snipers. So and and there was no another school I visited was um, no running water. Uh, five computers that were recently given to the school, uh, but really. A, a different um, a different framework for for a school of course uh, and then just uh, one and a half hours uh, away from that in Yerevan we saw the Tumo uh, a technical uh, well how can you say uh, a, a school working with the, with the education but with the, a lot of uh, there were so many IMAX and And uh, state-of-the-art technology, 3D graphic uh, educational programs, music, digital music uh, programs. Uh, so, so that that var variety, <laughs> uh, you could say, but that that span from from very pure poor community uh, and a school without sufficient funding. Uh, one would say a public school, and then uh, just one and a half hours of drive away, in the same day, seeing that state of the art uh, tech center, um, that was um, mind blowing. That that could be in the same country. Yeah, yeah we don't see that in Denmark as much, even though no, we do have no. differences. Yeah, yeah. I remember another story you were telling me at some point about. Um, what some of these kids wanted to achieve uh, because you were asking them they were working on some similar projects as you, you guys were in Denmark or something like that um, well I think uh, they weren't working at, uh, but they were working with the sustainable development goals as, uh, as students and, and human beings are all over the world uh, I think, and 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 that is a good thing, of course, that we can all focus a little bit about on uh, the challenge of uh, the climate crisis and and uh, yeah, uh, quality of water, all those sustainable development goals. Um, 
uh, and all the the issues that are mm-hmm. underlying. Mm-hmm. Um, so and 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 they were working with that as well. And and what struck me was that their aspirations were were very similar to the aspirations of of the Danish kids in the school that I'm uh, a vice principal on. So they also wanted to become like the same professionals. Um, they also were concerned about how can we recycle more, and 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 this was in a school without running water, without really uh, sufficient toilet facilities in in uh, with uh, in terms of our standards, of course. But uh, but I was just struck by by the similarities, uh, essentially, yeah. Yeah, I find it so interesting how kids around the world today, because we're so connected through the internet, can say so so many of the same things and have aspirations also that are global mm. in many ways. Um, I've, yeah, it's just super inspiring. Mm. Um, but let's let's dive a little bit into the work that you are doing at Mauliko School mm. today, because um, you've been at the school for five years or so. Something four, like four, four years. More than four years, yeah. And um, shortly after you started there, there was an opportunity that opened to yeah. do a collaboration with um, MIT and some work that they were doing there. Mm. Um, yeah, share a little bit about how that's how that work started and what it was about. Yeah, well, it started with that opportunity arising. We wandered in in Gentofte, which is a municipality um, just north of Copenhagen, um, and Maulico School is one of thirteen schools there, and and the school district was um, thinking about and trying to develop new practices uh, to create a more motivation uh, a school with uh, that were more motivating for uh, for students, of course. Um, Create uh, more entrepreneurship uh, and and uh, yeah, more creativity, basically, also um, to the to the education system for for the older students. We see that in Denmark, but also I think this is a, a worldwide thing that that the motivation to go to school is very high when. When stu- when students enter school, uh, in the age of in Denmark, it's six years. They enter with their arms above their head and and just wanting to go to school. And that uh, that does continue, but the motivation declines a little bit towards uh, teenage years, and so and that is probably a natural thing. I think we can't really beat. Teenage <laughs> or, or puberty, <laughs> but uh, uh, there are some things that are inevitable. But but I also think that we could create a a, a school that is um, probably more interesting for students to. I mean that is, that is not as much uh, a reminiscence from the industrial society, where we can maybe in a school system where we can be more project based. Um, be more aware of where where are the specific interests and talents of each individual and how can we create communities around that? Uh, how can we engage students to 
to be more self-motivated and, and act more mm-hmm. uh, upon their own motivation uh, and maybe follow some of their ideas through. Uh, I think uh, I think we have a school system that is too uh, divided into disciplines yes. that derives from Aristotle's. Uh, uh, nothing wrong with Aristotle's, <laughs> but um, but but there's probably something wrong with with uh, geography as one discipline, uh, not uh, connecting well enough to physics and chemistry or to biology or to history and all the other subjects. I think we should be more interdisciplinary in our approach. Well, that was uh, <laughs> one yeah, way. So, I mean, but I guess, I guess many schools are doing similar things. Yeah. So, mm. so why, why work with MIT? I mean, like yeah. that's... That was the opportunity that arose in 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 that uh, in 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 that ambition to create this um, new approaches to school. One one uh, uh, one of the ideas was uh, following uh, uh, a new approach to education developed by Peter Senge and Daniel Goleman. Um, Daniel Goleman with um, emotional intelligence and social intelligence and all the work that he have done in 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 that domain. Um, what we could in in the educational system describe as social and emotional learning, uh, and combining that with systems awareness, systems intelligence, um, that is the work that Peter Senke brings into to uh, to this project, and and they wrote a little book called uh, the Triple Focus: a New Approach to Education. Uh, and the triple focus essentially is uh, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, systemic intelligence. Um, so working with these three approaches uh, in order to create more sustainable long-term solutions that are healthy for children and grown-ups, of course, um, and children becoming grown-ups, um, uh, and but also sustainable in in terms of uh, better solutions for the future of the world. So so how did it start out? Because that sounds like a big job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I well, mean, like how how does one go about starting mm, uh, something like that? Well, we had uh, uh, Peter Peter Senge and uh, is working closely together with Medemir Ayambul, uh, who is also a local uh, Gentofte resident. So she's living close to the school, and when she's uh, back home, which is not happening too often, she's uh, often away, of course, uh, working as a visiting research scientist at MIT. Uh, she's traveling the world with these ideas. But but uh, when she's home, we have we have had uh, an, on a number of occasions uh, the opportunity of of getting her uh, to come to the school and 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 do some training practices and some sessions mm-hmm. with the staff and with students. So we started out with with uh, prototyping this or piloting uh, with one team of teachers and, and one, uh, one grade level. Mm-hmm. So that was year six at the time. Um, and that is uh, a little bit more than three years ago. So they have now left the school, uh, those 70 children. Uh, that we started out with have left the school, and we can see what what they have learned in three years of working with some of these t- uh, tools and practices. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that uh, and they have learned a lot and it had had an uh, an immense effect on school climate on well-being of of uh, students also on parents satisfaction uh, satisfaction. satisfaction and and student satisfaction and engagement and motivation and all the things that I've ta- that I talked about yeah. before yeah. I feel like I mean I obviously through my work know a little bit about how these things work and what you do and so on and so forth but I, f- I have a feeling that people who haven't done this work all of this might seem a little bit abstract mm. um so it'd be it'd be interesting to dive a little bit more into the details mm. of it and and understand like what are actually some of the conversations that you had in the beginning like did you did you design like um did you have like a charter in the beginning did you design like a vision for it like like how do you, you worked with like a group of of teachers to begin with what happened in those first meetings and what did you decide and what did you need to learn and stuff like that well i think we need to learn a lot uh because this was new work to us but i think it was also new work to meta uh and 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 all the people at uh, uh at this uh at, not at MIT as a whole, but uh, MIT Jailwell. This is a, a project in their uh, domain, and and it is it it was uh, it was then called Triple Focus, but um, but had later uh, it is it is now named a Compassionate Systems Framework. Uh, so, and and and. It, in the compassionate systems framework, a lot of the ideas and, and practices have been developed um, in in business settings or with larger organizations. Not uh, so. So our job was to try to translate that into a, a language that children could understand. Uh, so there was a lot of learning in that. How can we ex- um, translate the ladder of inference, for example? into Danish first of all it has been translated into Danish but but not a Danish that that student uh, could understand can you explain what the ladder of inference is yeah Just the ladder of inference is um, is a a system model that that um, that allows us to reflect on how conclusions arrive to us mm-hmm. so from the ladder you can picture a ladder Uh, standing on the ground, the ground being all the data, all the things occurring. If we can sense everything, that would be uh, uh, what, uh, yeah, everything that is occurring. And but since we can't sense everything as human beings, there's something that is filtered, um, and that is the first step of the ladder. Um, first step is the selected data, but not intentionally selected. Uh, selected by what we sense. So the two of us sitting here right now, we sense different things. We have different perspectives. You are looking at me. I'm looking at you. I can see the background behind you. Uh, you hear something. I hear something else. Uh, we will eventually arrive to different conclusions about what happened. Maybe we can agree on on uh, on, uh, on a lot of things. I hope. Th- I think so, and I, I'm sure we can. But but we will have small differences in in our in in what 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 we have 
selected, unintentionally selected as as our data, from which we um, we um, attribute meaning and uh, derive assumptions. So now we are going up the ladder. So the next level is meaning, uh, assumption leading to conclusions, conclusions over time eventually uh, being uh, constituting the belief you have on how how does the world look like? What is right and wrong here? And and that is also leading to, to the actions that we take. So, so when we jump to conclusions, we... Uh, we skip the first parts of the ladder. We are not, we are not uh, aware of the first steps of the ladder, and there can be an increase in awareness um, from going down the ladder. And for example, two students in a school in 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 third grade having an argument, maybe getting into a fight or something. How how uh, they, uh, they can use the ladder of inference. A translated version of the ladder of inference to try to find out how how do we look differently upon the issues that we have together, the mm. conflict. We have different truths. So so when we hear students talking about my assumption is or I assume that that is a very I think that's a very strong example um, that shows that. A student saying, I assume, also knows this is not the truth. This is my truth, but not the truth. Um, Do you remember like realizing, like teaching this tool to students and to teachers? Um, do, you really, do you realize the moment when you could see that things were changing, that people were acting differently? Um, or do you have like a specific situation Uh, or experience where you were like surprised about the power of the tool and what it was capable of doing for the way that you guys are together and creating both the 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 leader. Uh, what I'm trying to say is um, both creating like the teaching environment, but also like just in general being together and creating results and so. Mm. Mm. I, I think I have a lot of examples of students using that tool and other tools and combining the tools in a, in ways that demonstrates a higher level of reflectiveness, uh, being able to take perspectives, uh, take the perspectives of others. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is... Uh, that's what it's all about. <laughs> right. Uh, it's also about knowing math and also about uh, uh, knowing, knowing something about atoms. But but if we are going to put it into use in efficient ways that are sustainable and, and, and long-term and all that, um, then we need to, to be able to see how this is connected in larger complex systems mm -hmm. um, so 
Yeah, that was an abstract way of, of, <laughs> of uh, trying to <laughs> deflect <laughs> uh, a question that <laughs> we, we might dig up I'm some sorry, some uh, great stories yeah. later on. But uh, first, perhaps I have I have one yep. example, uh, uh, but it's it's not my example. It's the mm-hmm. example one of our student ambassadors. We have a little group of of, of student ambassadors that are uh, are taking some time out of their spare time, essentially. Um, to dive deeper into this and also uh, they're also trying to communicate and educate others um, and helping us doing workshops and they were also in Armenia with me not physically but uh, uh, live transmitted uh, so and one of uh, one of her examples one of uh, one specific ambassador student uh, gives this example that Uh, on a number of occasions, she had met uh, one of her classmates uh, uh, in conflictuous ways. Uh, she she had been approached by him so many times with with uh, and 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 she have have felt a little bit bullied by him. So, uh, and she gives this example uh, that she. Uh, When thinking about the letter of inference, when having that in the back of her head, uh, when he approached her in a math class, she was thinking, oh, maybe I should give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's not actually bullying. Maybe he's actually trying to, to, uh, yeah, to get my help with something because he was not a good math student. Math student, um, and that reflection on her part. Give, uh, created an openness with her or in her to meet him in a different way and in that specific occasion that she mentioned he 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 was actually trying to to engage with uh, in a in a positive way on on the subject of math and uh, and she uh, when she is speaking about this example of course it's it uh, it's better when hearing it from her Uh, because it's stronger when it's a personal uh, story, but but that had really made an impression on me because that is what this is all about: trying to to give others the benefit of the doubt. It's uh, very it's it's a powerful story, and and um, yeah, I'm just wondering how many situations that that we as human beings are in where we end up getting the worst outcome of of the possibilities that are out there because we are traveling up the ladder of inference too quickly mm. or something else. Um, what are some of the other tools that um, have been particularly important to mm. the work that you guys have been doing? Yeah. Um, there are there are a lot of tools, but there are also some, some practices that have been really important. Uh, a lot of compassion training meditation trying to uh, to um, to focus start classes with active listening training focus training uh, those elements are extremely important because that has to do with the bodily system the body mind system um, and i think that is some of um, that is key to to uh, getting the best results when teaching in the in the in the classroom when kids are coming in from the break they have not had have a have had a break uh, their brains have not been on break um so so they 
they're getting in into the classroom in uh, maybe in a, an agitated mental state. And if we want to teach them something, uh, and we of course we do all the time, we want them to learn something, um, then then it is a very good idea to to spend three minutes just uh, breathing a little bit, getting uh, getting a, uh, uh, the body system a little bit relaxed, but also uh, changing some of the the um, hormone, the compounds in the brain, the the hormones it's called, right? Um, so trying to to get a little bit of the adrenaline and cortisol down and and get some other hormones up in order to open up for learning those are, are important to mention because it's so easy to to um, to talk about the systems tools and they are very uh, they are both interesting and and, and more concrete uh, in a way but i think uh, there's so much there's there's a, a reason why it's not called triple focus anymore in our school or in in this framework, but called compassionate systems framework because the triple focus, the emotional, social, and systemic intelligence, you can put into use for good purposes, but also for bad purposes. You can go to war with mm. emotional intelligence, social intelligence, and systemic intelligence. That will be an asset if you're really good and really intelligent in in these domains. You will be a good warrior. But of course, that is not the point here. We want to create better worlds for ourselves and for others. So, um, so there has to be an ethical uh, direction to this, and that is where the compassion part comes in. So that is important. And then back to your question about uh, some of the other tools, because I think for me, the systems iceberg is uh, essential. That is that is usually the the model, the systems model that we start out with, um, and then shifting the burden. Um, Ladder of, of inference, this? shifting the burden, and systems iceberg. Yeah, I think those three tools are the the first three to for me in in, in most uh, workshops and settings that are that is our starting point. And can you give a quick introduction to the other two as well? Yeah, I can do that. I can try. Mm-hmm. Um, so the systems iceberg allowed us to to try to to. Uh, of course, we know that uh, an iceberg. You can see the top ten percent. That's what above. Uh, that's what's above the water, and uh, that's the event level. Below the water is the behavior over time, the the dynamics, social dynamics, and so that we can also sort of observe if we if we. If we develop uh, some some mm-hmm. methods to observing, we can also try to observe how behavior is developing over time in different settings. Um, but beneath, in the bottom of the iceberg, we have the underlying structures, the artifacts, and the mental models. And if we really want to change something in a profound way, in a fundamental way, that is usually where we can um, we can do the most good. Um, and it is it is important to observe those mental models and and to address them if we want to change something on the event level. Mm-hmm. What, um, what are some of the ways that you have used this particular model, like on a school level? Mm-hmm. Because I guess like one thing is, mm-hmm. I obviously I, you were describing like how a student mm-hmm. is doing something different, mm-hmm. and they 
have learned something and they get some amazing experiences mm. with a with a fellow student mm. that they had difficulties with before. But at the same time, you guys have also been doing a, like a system transformation of the school. Like a, you've shifted some of the conversations that are happening at the school. You've shifted some of the ways of asking questions and some of the ways of showing up. Um, so in terms of the iceberg and, and the artifacts and, and so on that you're describing, like how did this show up on a school level when you were working with it? How, like what did you notice using this model and, and how did you apply it also if, if, that's, if it's possible to, to think mm. about it like that? I th it is possible, I think. Um, many of the ways that that the systems iceberg is applied is more on the on a subconscious or, or not not as uh, it's it's more base it's a foundation uh, I think uh, so it's not so easy to say see we can have we we have we have uh, changed this mental model because mental models and cultures are changed slowly by mm -hmm. doing something different little by little um But when we see there is a problem with with the way we um, with uh, the way we organize something in the school, for example, that could be an artifact. How can we change that? Then we can use some of the other models, for example. We can go to the shifting the burden model, and 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 viewing uh, that mental model as an issue or a symptom or a problem that we want to to deal with and uh, for me um, this uh, system uh, the shifting the burden model um, my aha moment uh, I think was when we tried to put it into use when with the a very real problem at the school because this was an organization five four or five years ago with a lot uh, with uh, adept um, that we had to deal with Uh, that's a different topic, of course, but but that was a very real problem for us, um, and I think our the the normal way of dealing with debt is to th see we are we are spending too much. Uh, so how can we cut expenses? How can we cut something? And in a school, uh, the large uh, the large. Uh, part of the budget is the salaries of course there's not a lot of other uh, things that are really uh, uh, that important in a school it's salary is accounts for yeah 95 of the budget or something like that so of course you have to look at salaries and the normal way to go about uh, too much expenditure is to cut salaries of course but um But uh, when using this model, we could see that if we just cut uh, salaries in terms of, of having uh, uh, not as many teachers hired, that would create some unintentional consequences that would probably develop more, uh, more uh, need for substitute teachers because uh, illness mm -hmm. uh, rates would would probably uh, go up um, because people would be forced to to work too much or too fast and um, 
so we did something else. We did um, we tried to to spend more in order to save money, <laughs> and that is not a very that's a little bit of a counterintuitive approach, but that uh, we we found out would be the more long term uh, fundamental solution. So we took some of the money that we would have spent on substitute teachers and and hired uh, regular staff for that. So we actually said, we are going to do the same amount of work. We are going to be a little bit more manpower to do the work. But when somebody is sick, we can't buy a substitute teacher. So we have to also uh, lift that mm-hmm. uh, burden, uh, uh, do that job ourselves. So instead of being 48 teachers, we are now 50 teachers. But when somebody's sick, we are not going to hire any substitute teachers. And that is good in terms of it creates better quality in teaching. If everybody is on job, nobody's sick, it creates a better uh, uh, workflow, of course. Um, it was not that, that the teachers at our school didn't teach that much. They teach a lot. There's a lot of their uh, normal day is, is, uh, is teaching classes, of course. So they did not experience this as, uh, oh, this is, this is just a walk in the park. That was not the case. But it, it created the, the, the basis of us lifting this burden together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it did cut from, from spending one million kroners on substitute teachers. We, we, uh, the following year, we spent uh, a little less than one-fifth of that. And that uh, that is just sound economics. <laughs> that is really good. Uh, so so um, and that created better quality in teaching, and it also allowed us to pay a little bit uh, to 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 pay a little bit. Uh, or how do you say that, uh, Jacob? Help me out here to to get rid of some of the debt. Right. Yeah. 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 Pay off. Yeah. Pay off. Um, yeah. yeah. I have a, have so many questions. <laughs> um, the first one is: Did you did you tell the teachers that this was your strategy, that you wouldn't be hiring substitute teachers, and yeah. you're completely transparent about it? Mm-hmm. Because I'm the second question is like I'm wondering: It must have done something for um, the feeling of community and. And like you know, common res- like accountability and and people like being one team, mm. and you like it's like we have to take care of ourselves mm. and each other to make it work. Um, do you feel like it affected the culture? Um, this little thing, I definitely feel that it affected the culture. I'm not going to sit here and and say that. This is just. Uh, uh, this was just uh, that everything went like well, well <laughs> and, and everybody was happy all the time. Everybody were happy all the time. That was, of course, not the case. This was hard work, and and it was hard work for teachers, and it's still hard work, um, uh, because we are paying up, paying off some debt. Mm-hmm. 
so we we could use with, uh, the money for something else, of course. Mm-hmm. But but I think it create uh, that that uh, that strategy or that that uh, that way of going about it uh, created a sense of uh, we are we are doing this together. And it was also um, it was not like uh, the leadership deciding. Uh, like uh, it was, uh, it was, it was of course us as leaders designing that this is how we are going to do it. But it was uh, after a process of, of uh, co-creation, and and a lot of people were engaged in that project mm-hmm. uh, process also. So, so we didn't just uh, decide it and and then declared this is how we are going to do it and and. Yeah, be in or be square. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so and so this is an example of shifting the burden. Yeah. Um but I still help me understand. <laughs> hmm. uh, so what is the top line philosophy for shifting the burden? Like like what are the questions like or what does the problem have to look like for me to do it? Can I do it with any kind of problem? Uh, like look at it, the problem and see is there a way to shift the burden here mm. and what are some of the questions that I need to ask in the process of mm. shifting the burden and coming up with the right ideas and so on um, I think it can be it can be used as a tool for thinking in all sorts of problems but it's not the way that uh, that it's either going the fundamental solution way or the quick fix way and the quick fix is always the bad way because if the building is burning the quick fix is to to put out the fire or get out of the building and those are good quick fixes they those are uh, you have to stop the emergency mm-hmm. um so so it's de- it depends on on how how uh, how the how the uh, solution or the intended solution is balancing or reinforcing in good or negative in, in positive or negative ways uh, so so there are no right or wrong in this model but it it is it, it forces us to to see so th- is this is this solution a solution that will that will prevent the problem from existing Will it, uh, will it, uh, will it be a fundamental solution that will take care of the problem, or is it just uh, a way to be with the problem? Um, okay. And 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 you can use that, I think. In, yeah. In, in and and there, yeah, in all sorts of uh, of ways and in in all issues, and and then the um, the other parts of the model. The, there's always unintended consequences, and some of these unintended consequences brings us farther away from the fundamental solution. Mm-hmm. And thinking in these terms, I think is is uh, is good and important for all decision making. Uh, I guess everywhere, a, all the time. Right? Mm. Yeah. I guess in a way, you're looking at the root problem. It's kind of like you're trying to look at the problem and then you're trying to f- figure out what's the source of that problem. But then on top of that, you're also asking yourself, if we make 
this decision over that decision, how is how will it affect things over time? Mm. And how will it affect the system that we're trying to operate in? And like, what are, you know, um, consequences that are unintended or unexpected mm. or something like that? What are the accumulate, accumulative uh, effects of of the solution? Uh, yeah. All that kind of good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I mean, I find it super interesting to hear these stories about how you're applying these tools and 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 the effect that it's it's having both on like administrative things, mm. but also on like everyday teaching things and down to like student behavior as well. When when you when you look at students uh, using this model, for example, on a sustainable development goal, uh, everybody all around the world is concerned are concerned with uh, plastic in the ocean, and and we need to be concerned about that. Uh, most of the solutions that that I have seen and that students come up with are how can we take plastic out of the ocean. Which is also, that makes a lot of sense. Let's try to get some of the plastic out of the ocean. But we also need to focus on how can we prevent more plastic from coming into the ocean. And that is that is maybe not the headlines of the news. Uh, but But this approach has to do with being less concerned about headlines and more concerned about how we can systemically change in good ways. Mm. And I think when we can teach students and when we can see students uh, re, uh, using these tools and, and uh, for example, this tool uh, in ways that allows them to understand on a deeper level how things are interconnected and interdependent on a larger systemic level, globally, for example, or locally, uh, we have come a long way and this is basically the aspiration yeah yeah i find it i find it really exciting to to think about it like that and and it makes me think about similar challenges but on like a business level mm. um it makes me think about the fact that pretty often when leaders need to do like similar things and need to change and transform the systems that they work with, some of these decisions and some of these solutions are not necessarily the most sexy ones. No. And, and um, yeah, and, and, and not necessarily the ones that create those headlines that you're talking about. Mm. And it would just, it's easier to uh to make decisions that create headlines or to get support for them but sometimes we need to get like to the depth of of why things are causing the problems that they're causing mm. and then perhaps that insight will make it easier at least to make those long-term decisions mm. that are difficult and not so sexy mm. it's very um <laughs> Let's hope as many people get these tools as possible. I should say that. Yeah, and, and our project has to do with going upstream and trying to to develop some of these uh, tools uh, in ways that kids can understand so that they can grow up as decision makers in their own lives, but also decision makers on a societal level um, 
that create uh, that they can create uh, better solutions. Because as uh, as I've, I've heard uh, Peter Peter Seng say uh, that that the the problems that we have today are the solutions of problems from the past, right? Mm. Uh, he says it in a in a more eloquent <laughs> way, but <laughs> that was my <laughs> interpretation today <laughs> into English. Uh, but um, uh, I think that is worth pondering a little bit about. Um, that many of the of the problems that we face are uh, derives from solutions, good solutions, or what we thought was good solutions to problems that we had. Not we as persons, but we as societies um, in past. In mm. the past, I want to talk a little bit more about like the leadership bit, um, and in particular, there's something called holding the space when you're a leader or uh, when you're supporting other people to make things happen. Um, and I know you and I have talked a little bit about it before, and I just remember there were some stories about some of the students who had been in various situations, and and I think one of your colleagues had had an experience um, with a student holding the space or doing something to to create a space for people to 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 have certain conversations, it it it's the story of the when he was running across the 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 schoolyard. You remember you showed me a video at some point. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Can you perhaps share like what that story was about? And what yeah, what the student what, what the student had been up to at that at that time. Yeah, I would like you to invite you to to see that video. <laughs> it's on our webpage, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, or uh, if you can find it amidst yeah, I, all the other videos, but uh, um, we'll create a link. Oh, we can we can yeah. sh maybe share yeah. it uh, because what that teacher uh, he ran across the schoolyard just to to explain that he had just had just witnessed uh, a group of students. Um, self-organizing in some group work and these are uh, third grade students they are very young but but since they have been uh, used to uh, sitting in circles listening to how how are how are our amygdala temperatures listening to how other people or their their fellow uh, students or pupils uh, think and feel so they have they are they have learned something about and what he what he told was that he could see that they had actually learned something from that uh, that enabled them to self-organize and and um, and lead their group work without uh, grown-up supervision and he uh, and and <laughs> And that was, uh, I don't know if I, I do the story justice uh, uh, right now, but but uh, because you have to hear him speak and, and, and listen to his enthusiasm um, because he ended up concluding, this is why we do it. Right. This is exactly why we do it. We want them to be able to, to, um, to uh, anchor their decisions their ways of engaging with each other in 
some values that are profound and good and and uh, and directed towards wanting to to um yeah create uh and yeah do good, do good. <laughs> basically yeah yeah and these are third graders i'm mm-hmm. just to give a i think to mm-hmm. give a little bit of context um how often do you see third graders do anything even remotely like that well, I did not see it with my eyes. No, so, no. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm just wondering how it's. For me, it just sounds like it's a super rare thing. To yeah, have it is, I, I think it's really, really rare. Right. Um, of course, we see a lot of uh, talented and resourceful kids that are uh, that are able to do well and do good uh, in schools all the time. Of course, but I think what he experienced was a whole classroom without any grown-ups in the classroom and they were going to start out a project and they knew that and the grown-up hadn't hadn't shown up yet Mm. to that class or that lesson and they had just started themselves organizing it and that's really cool (laughs) they are eight nine eight nine years of age Uh, (laughs) so so uh, well what he described was uh uh that was an, an aha moment i think for him um um, mm-hmm. But I think what 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 our students uh, from the pilot grade or the pilot year um, tells us, uh, they often uh, they often uh, tell stories about their way of using one another model, another tool, which is Kansas four player model, that uh, allows them to reflect on and think about how and and also correct themselves when doing group work or teamwork um, so Kansas four player model uh, uh, basically has to do with uh, with in, in all well functioning teams uh, four archetypical uh, positions are being occupied not always by the same or some also maybe by two different people and and, and maybe one person has two different positions but but uh, four positions are, are typically occupied and and one is the mover the one getting the idea that typically creates the position of the opposer the one criticizing uh, the idea um, the mover also uh, um, creates the position of the follower. Somebody uh, is invited to follow this move. Um, and in all in, in these good uh, team situations, there will, there will typically be a bystander that are trying to, uh, uh, in a good way, hold the space for this to occur. Maybe not deciding towards the mover or towards the opposer, but but trying to to cultivate the arguments, facilitate uh, the arguments. So uh, so so these four positions: bystander, mover, follower, opposer, um, are typically existing or existent in 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 all good teamworks. And I've seen students uh, and and heard students talk about how that have. Uh, given them a, a tool to um, to understand better why sometimes teamwork doesn't work out well. Then they say, for example, yeah, we 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 really struggled with this teamwork, and then we we found out, hey, we were too many movers. Uh, 
and nobody was really opposing anything so no one of the no none of the ideas got the criticism and that that led to the to the bettering of the ideas um and all there were no followers so we could stand there movers and opposers on opposite uh, uh standpoints and nobody uh, could actually uh weigh in and and make sure that that we were actually going somewhere mm. um and that's a powerful tool as well and and uh, and that is also what it's all about uh being able to educate children to be good team players super interesting we need to cooperate to create those yeah, solutions yeah. <laughs> right yeah i mean it's so inspiring especially mm. when you consider all the challenges that we're facing in the world today and um i personally is very excited about the notion of creating conversations um you know around certain difficult topics i mean it would be wonderful if we were a better able to have uh great conversations around climate on a global level that would be absolutely amazing for instance so i really hope that the work that you guys and perhaps other schools around the work mm. world uh, i mean a creating a foundation with with these tools and the way that kids are now perhaps walking into life differently and mm. and able to to show up differently mm. there's a particular thing i would like you to to talk a little bit about which is this thing about holding the space mm. can you can you talk a little bit about what that means to hold the space as a leader or um yeah i can i can maybe f- um talk up about it f- from that canter four player model mm-hmm. because the holding the space i think is a, a an asset of the bystander position uh when the bystander position is played out well there are positive and negative ways of 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 acting in these four positions in all of the four positions you can be a mover in a positive way but also in a in a very tyrannical uh uh yeah uh very hierarchical uh, not really listening to others kind of leading i you know, and you can oppose in and just looking uh, out of the black uh Uh, back mirror prism, yeah, uh, yeah the black mirror uh, looking at everything from the negative standpoint and just criticizing criticizing and not being really critical there's a, a, a huge difference between um critical thinking has often become uh, criticizing other people's thinking uh where it's probably more uh, supposed to be being cr- being critical and trying to better the ideas of others um so holding the, the space the bystander can also be be a very passive position to be in um but 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 the active way of being a bystander i think is holding the space um and and that has to do with a lot of of uh, uh maybe not so tangible uh um ways of of being for example a leader i think f- to be a, a modern leader has to do with with holding the space for good ideas to flourish um and to to facilitate good conversations in order to arri- arrive to the best decision 
and 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 knowing when is the time to decide. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't know if 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 that uh, is uh, if we are getting closer to what holding the space. I think it also has to do with with the. Uh, with the um, creating generative social fields, mm-hmm. which is another notion that we are uh, that we are working with and concerned about in the compassionate systems framework. Um, what does it mean gen- to create like a, a generate a generative a, a generative social field? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> big that's <word>. also uh, <laughs> that's a big word, uh, uh, and uh, there's no quick fix to that, but. What is the the attributes of a generative social field? I think it has to do with a, a social field where people can engage authentically, and and that a social field that is that is that there that there is a. a, a a, a good atmosphere, a good climate, a good social climate. Mm-hmm. So it it has to do with with parts of of being a leader that are probably not focused enough about. I think yeah, that has to do with creating good atmosphere, making people laugh, I, maybe I, people making people relax a little bit. Right. Also. I'm thinking like mm. when you're sh- when you're explaining it like this, I'm thinking it's something about how you show up. Mm. And like through your being and mm. through your behavior and like, mm. I guess, basically you're role modeling mm. a certain kind of being in the room and that establishes this generative social mm. field where other people now have the possibility of showing up mm. with the best of themselves and perhaps mm. uh, you kind of like, you role model um courage for instance mm. so that people can you know have the courage to ask different questions that they would otherwise ask or have the courage to be the opposer yeah. or be the um the driver was it the other the yeah, the driver the mover the mover the, right yeah. so or be the mover mm-hmm. um yeah yeah I, and 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 putting words into that uh, acknowledging so uh maybe uh, being a mover right now is not what the room was prepared for but we would like to acknowledge that uh the act of of being the mover that you just made uh so thanks for that uh that can be a, a way of of holding that space mm. and, and 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 role modeling also and i think there's there are very very uh, mundane uh, tools uh, tricks to this trade i think uh, that has to do with for example not interrupting we interrupt each other all the time and in meetings I think we have both. I, I'm sure. Uh, I, I'm probably uh, probably most. Uh, if if anybody is listening uh, still, <laughs> uh, they would probably also know situations where they've been in meetings where it seemed that most of the uh, attendees were more concerned about what to say next than to listen to what the other people are saying. So active listening. Trying to listen in, listen with the 
with the objective of understanding what the other people say, uh, what the other persons say, instead of with the objective to find out how can I reply, how can how can I forward my opinion here or my position here. Uh, I think that's uh, well not interrupting, trying to breathe deeply trying to maybe also talk a little bit slowly once in a while to create a less hectic atmosphere i think most um, a lot of meetings are occurring in a very hectic atmosphere and i think one of the things that we've seen at the school uh, working with this and also working in our leadership team and being leaders in different ways not always all days but when when we sometimes succeed mm-hmm. in in actually walking the talk Then we then we succeed in in trying to take some of the pace out of the game, trying to allow people to talk, and 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 we and and what we've seen um, is meetings with with more listening and less interruption, and also with periods of silence. I've sit in in development team meetings with a with ten teachers and and three or four from the leadership or management team where there were moments of authentic silence a silence that that uh, reflects reflection mm. um, and i think if we can get to that point where people are actually thinking instead of just trying to to get the word to use it mm-hmm. for something <laughs> um, that is uh, that is a good place to it's it's not uh, i don't mean to say that that meetings should always uh, consist of a lot of silence. No, but, no, no, but, uh, but like but, I really uh, love like the word you're using, authentic silence. Mm. Because I mean, I guess so often people are only silent like when they're um afraid to speak up or they feel like they have to be too forceful to enter the conversation or something like that. Um because someone else is very dominating dominant domineering i suppose in in the conversation um so yeah i mean authentic silence i, I remember that uh and i was thinking of just with the things you were saying um people can't see us right now but you've done something pretty cool a few times throughout this conversation which is that you've actually stood up in the room and held the microphone aside and like taken some deep breaths Um and I haven't seen you do do that before. Uh but I thought it was pretty cool actually because um it's just I mean I guess it's a sign of you like all the awareness that you have like gained through the work that you have done and mm-hmm. and you become you know acquainted with yourself in a different way and you know how you want to be in current conversations and what it takes mm-hmm. in terms of being present and so on and so forth. So yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. I've, I've I've been noticing that I'm breathing too superficial. Uh, maybe it's the posture that we're sitting in, a, but mm. I don't think so. I think it's because I'm struggling to get the right English words out of my mouth, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, and just to to create uh, just that small moment to pause a little bit and to allow. Uh, some of the um, yeah the urge to to be eloquent or, or try to speak in a 
in a good way and and in a nice English. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. uh, that is also, uh, yeah. That I think it's it's important to 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 breathe, and uh, <laughs> of course it is. But uh, but you can do something with the breath. And you but can it, also do that in meetings. And we it's can really start meetings with yeah. trying to 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 just uh, breathe a little bit, to try to 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 be aware of the breath and uh, and to control it a little bit, to uh, to and start with a check in, uh, for example, around uh, personal journaling or um, some reflective questions that we can. Uh, ponder about and and share a little bit about uh, two and two mm-hmm. or in in pairs or or in larger groups or, or uh, around the table or whatever. Uh, there are a lot of uh, good practices that uh, that can lead to better and more efficient meetings. I think. I think. And more generative social fields. And more generative basically. social fields. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm actually. I think for me. What you what 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 you just did before was a really good example of, and why I think it was good role modeling in this situation we're in right now is because I feel like there's a lot of people that feel challenged in one way or another, in like in different situations. And the thing is, like even just in the workplace, um, people sometimes feel challenged where they might, you know. It might be a small thing relative to what could be an actual big challenge in life or at work, but they're still challenged in a way where they're not as present as they could be in that meeting, or they're not able to access like the full potential of what they have to offer in that meeting, and so um, it's just so powerful when you then learn how to create this awareness of being able to pause in the moment, mm. like you're basically doing because you're like you're in a conversation, almost like an interview, and you have to think about all these things and like all the questions I'm asking, and then at the same time, you pause and like you, even like without like pausing the conversation completely, you stand up and you do that, and I think that is um, something that. If we can learn how to pause ourselves under duress and in really challenging situations, it can be really valuable both to what we're trying to create, but also just in order to like take care of ourselves and the people we're together with at that moment. Um, but it leads me to think yeah. about, yeah. No, I, it just <laughs> make me think about one example I really like to share. Of course, uh, because. Uh, we are now trying to take this ambassador group uh, of students. There are now 10 students that are taking out some time uh, to to dive deeper into this, as I uh, as I mentioned, and and um, and we are trying to develop this uh, leadership program, youth leadership program. So we are calling it Maulego Youth Leadership Program, and 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 the abbreviation is going to be My Leap, um, and. Um, and we've been, yeah, struggling a lot to to because there was a deadline with a folder and 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 some yeah some stuff that in, in terms of communication. So we've been we've been doing a lot of interviews and and trying to do some videos that that you can see at our web web, web page. Uh, not technically 
good videos or anything like that. But but um, students trying to interview uh, grown-ups and uh, and other students um, um, and and trying to develop this uh, youth leadership program. And in one of these interviews, there was a student. Um, and that student uh, uh, talking with with a, 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 a director of the, a school district outside Copenhagen, another another school district, and this student um, was in that conversation, and we we came to talk about an experience we had where she performed on a stage uh, half a year ago, and that uh, performance was live transmitted around the world. And they were talking about uh, uh, some of the sustainable development goals and how they use these tools. So they were kind of presenting that to the world and and to the audience in the room. And I was complimenting her uh, in that conversation that we had uh, the other day and saying that I was very impressed with the way you were able to perform and and uh, and be in that very. Uh, basically stressful situation of so many people looking at you from all the angles how can you uh, it was impressive to see how how you could be in that uh, in a in a good way um, and and what she said was uh, that it had not uh, not so much to do with performing as it had to do with meeting people hmm. and and she said something really really interesting she said it had this compassionate systems has to do with being present with the the ability of being present in the moment so what we were concerned about she said was that we needed not to just to perform or to present but we need to look every single individual in their eyes while while presenting this and that was just i think a 13 year old being able to talk about how presence and that awareness of how relationship building and how important how important it is to engage people in real conversations uh, in that example that was just uh, a, a really striking i i thought that that was that is a really good example of what this can bring about um, that is quite remarkable, and and um, yeah, she's she's in a good place to do good in the world, being so practiced at that young an age. It's quite it's yeah. quite amazing. Um, so I'm practicing not just being ready with the next question and just being really <laughs> present in the conversation. <laughs> um, well, well, we. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> it's also important not to take these good ideas to be uh, something that we demand of ourselves in all situations. Right. We can be we human can, beings we sometimes. We can be human beings and we can make mistakes. Yes. And and uh, I'm jumping up that ladder all the time. I, I'm but but I, I think I'm a little bit more aware of sometimes afterwards that I jumped. Right. Uh, and that is what awareness has to uh, it's about right uh, and then sometimes I guess you can almost you can see yourself just before you jump and then you're able to stop yourself sometimes sometimes <laughs> sometimes mm. um, before because we're 
we're starting to come to an end here, but um, I want to just ask one one bigger question still before we dive into a few sh- short questions or quick questions, um, which is you rolled this compassion compassion system model. Um, you implemented this at the school, and it's been implemented in terms of how you guys are working as teachers and as leaders and you've taught your students and especially some certain groups uh, all these tools um, but leading an effort like this I can imagine is not an easy thing um, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering like on a personal level where have you been most challenged throughout this uh, process throughout this implementation Um Have you had any times like, you know, you go through the valley of tears and you get, <laughs> you get really challenged at some times and so at some points, um, have you doubted it at certain points in time? Like, like where have you felt the most challenged throughout and how did you deal with it when it happened mm. or at, you know, during the time it happened? I think patience uh, has been, or my impatience has been uh, my personal challenge in this. I get a lot of ideas, but I also have uh, ambitions, of course. And 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 I think we, when we initiated this, well, journey, uh, as we could describe it, uh, we wanted to 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 implement uh, in we had a, a three year implementation plan and after one year we had to postpone some of the things that we wanted to do so we that was a challenge uh, both per, uh, personally or, or in our team uh, to to make that decision to to be more slow in implementation Uh, but also in terms of of the uh, collaboration we had with or have with the with the other stakeholders um, to to arrive to the conclusion that the sound thing to do the the wise thing to do is to to take the temperature on the culture and on the development and uh, recognize that that this has to be an organical or a holistic approach Uh, where we need to see what is the good next step instead of uh, we need to get here in two years. So if in order to do that, we need to move forward now. If we had done that, we could have done that. I think we would have lost some of the ownership in within the organization and some of the momentum um, that arrived from a very slow implementation process uh, Using that pilot grade uh, level, that initial team, they worked almost two years before uh, we engaged other teams in the school mm. in the work. And that was a long time. But when we eventually did engage others and tried to to um, to get these ideas, uh, yeah, to 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 flourish in the whole organization. We did it uh, with the teachers from that team being uh, ambassadors also. And they could say, 
we have worked with this for two years and this have changed. There was actually one teacher standing up and saying, this has changed my way of being a teacher. Hmm. And it has also, I don't know if he said, and it has changed my life. I remember it as <laughs> that way, but, but he, he definitely said something about uh, how he also used these tools in his private life hmm. and how it has helped him also there. And when he stood up and said that, when we were maybe 80 teachers together uh, in the room and Mede Miriam was there from, from MIT and, and when he stood up and said that, we were just in the, in, the, in the kickoff phase of the implementation for the whole organization. Mm. That was the first day and he said that and other people uh, from that team uh, backed him up said their story and that backed up the story uh, then there was no need for top-down implementation anymore because that had grown from below or how mm-hmm. you can say from within um, so that is my narrative I know that if we if we did, did a vox pop around the school there will also be teachers who said, yeah, it's a really good uh, idea and, and we we are all on board, uh, but I don't do a lot of these practices myself or or maybe the focus have been more on certain teams and not on my team. Uh, so it has been implemented in very different ways around the school. We have uh, we have 10 teams of teachers uh, and or actually 11 teams of teachers and and they have uh, they have uh, gone about this in different ways, right? You say you say that it changed this teacher's life. Has it changed yours? Um, yeah, I think uh, it has in 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 a lot of ways. Um, I think I'm a better father, actually. Um, How so? I think uh, being better at controlling my temperament is that the, the English term as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, I mentioned I was half Portuguese, and and, and that also shows. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very uh, quick to arrive to some kind of of uh, anger or uh, when I'm. Yeah, when I'm disappointed or or, or mad, uh, that that really shows, and and that is not good for a, for a child if it shows in a very negative way. Of course, I have never beaten anybody, <laughs> uh, but but I but I'm I, I'm I'm very temper uh, temperamental uh, temperamental. Uh, so. This have helped me actually uh, to to breathe a little bit and 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 also to see things from other perspectives. Uh, has it led to um, like positive feedback on the home front? Have you been told things in like that you they could see your behavior change? Yeah, my my daughter, uh, she uh, she told me actually yesterday we had a we had a conversation and we had a, an argument, um, and and. And we talked about some of the tools here after the argument, and because she's also a, bit, a little bit into some of them, and and using these tools, and and she could see that when we started using the, these tools, that 
that that had led to different kinds of conversations with uh, when we have a conflicts. Um, so that have changed my life, but it has also, I think, been a on a career level. I think um, uh, a positive change to to be able to participate in in network around the globe uh, as uh, this compassion system framework is. I think uh, that is also life changing in another way. Um, being able to go. Uh, to Boston and uh, and meet with uh, Peter Singh and 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 other good people uh, and and the people from the schools around the world and Ministry of Education uh, from British Columbia California Department of Education uh, Thailand Singapore there are uh, good places uh, people from Jordan as well. I'm of course uh, forgetting some. Um, I'm not forgetting them, but I'm not mentioning all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry about that, but uh, but but there are good people uh, all around the globe uh, that we meet uh, with uh, physically three times a year uh, right now uh, because I'm participating in this uh, master practitioner certification program um, to be able to teach others so that we don't have to fly around the globe all the time. To get to MIT to to get hold of some of the ideas and and to start some systemic changes. Um, so we are developing, uh, or we are being educated, uh, you could say, and educating each other in this community and this network, and that has led to a lot of uh, good relationships, friendships around the globe, and then new perspectives. And I think. That is always life-changing, right? Wonderful. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, let's do a few quick questions here at the end and okay. then um, uh, finish <laughs> it. Um, yeah. What advice, in perhaps in particular, would you give, now that you know all these things, what advice would you give um, Christian at 15 years old? Hmm. It was a quick question. To, does it require a quick answer? <laughs> I, I actually don't know what to say, uh, Jacob. Um, well, now I've just talked about uh, my journey in this and, and how it has uh, changed my life as well. Uh, and uh, so that is not really an advice, but but uh, but but. When I, that was not 15 years of age, but uh, when when I was 15 years of age, of course I was wondering what direction to take. Um, and if somebody at that time had told me, there are so many ways, there are so many directions, and they are not single-tracked, linear ways out in the future. There will be a lot of, turns and twists and possible redirections and all that uh, I think for me when I left university to become a teacher many people would say, see that as as a less ambition 
uh, less ambitious uh, uh, path to to to, um, to start on, but but I think this has also shown to myself that in all realms, in all professions, in all ways that you take, in all directions, there are a lot of opportunities to also uh, aspire. Uh, to a lot of different things, right? Um, it, I, it, that was not an advice, but it, but <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing mm. that, and perhaps I don't mm. know. I guess mm. being yeah. relaxing a little bit more about what's what's yeah. happening in the yeah. future, um, but perhaps in this in a similar frame, um, what would you like young people to know today? If there is like one, like deep knowing, like one thing that you feel like they don't really get or perhaps not everyone gets that would just make a difference if they knew that then I'll try to to do a very simple thing mm -hmm. um, the greatest difference I think would be to learn to breathe for deeply maybe even meditate a little bit i don't want to say meditation because that will lead to to some uh, uh, opposition because that sound metaphysical and spiritual maybe but i mean this from a uh, i say this from a, a very uh, actually neuroscientist scientific uh, um, uh, yeah uh, perspective that being able to breathe and to try to control uh, uh, the brain in that way will lead is a powerful tool also in in trying to uh, emotional stabilize a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's so much much uh, stress and anxiety uh, and distress in the world, and and we see these graphs are just. Uh, Uh, growing, uh, rising, rising, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that is quite concerning. I think uh, there are so many distractions for young and and also adults, of course. Uh, social media, new ways of communicating. So being able to pause, there it is again, and 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 take the deep breath, and knowing that that can lead to. Uh, controlling uh, some of uh, the emotional uh, the emotions that can be uh, be a, a very forceful and efficient way of of um, yeah opening also the mind to the more sustainable and long term good solution also for oneself because if you if you if you if you in a in a distracted modern life filled with um with uh, stimuli uh, st uh, yeah uh, all the time uh take decisions f without yeah, from from that uh from that place yeah from that place yeah uh that w that will not lead to to the the best decisions i think so perhaps um, put the phone mm. away yeah and learn how to breathe that would be mm. Mm something that would be really mm. valuable. Yeah. 
Amazing. Krishna, is there anything that you would like people to know about what's going on on your end right now or things that you feel like people should go check out um, or people you would like to connect with um, and give a shout out to or something yeah. like that? As I mentioned, we are, we are right, right now uh, developing uh, this youth leadership program because basically these tools that we have just talked about as, as a good educational tools to arrive to more sound decisions uh, are leadership tools. So, so, so we are now trying to put together um, what we have learned in, in, and formulate it into this leadership program. And, and we are trying to communicate about that in Danish and English. Uh, we are not professionals. And we're just one school um, with teachers and students, so so uh, we could uh, use a lot of help, of course. But but we also like to invite others to to join and 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 learn with us. And where and, can we mm, get more information around this? Yeah, we we are trying to build up a, a new web page uh, or okay. segment on our web page. So so that would be one place, and maybe we can link to that. Yes, uh, we'll do that. Um, And then uh, and you can uh, write to us, of course. Um, at Maulegårdskolen? At Maulegårdskolen. Okay. Yeah, of course. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks a lot for the for having me here and, and for the opportunity to speak about this. Well, thank you so much for coming, Christian. I appreciate it very much. And, um, for and if anybody is still listening, yeah. thank you for listening <laughs> for such a long <laughs> yes. time. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Thank you so much, everyone. And um, we'll link to all the, the good stuff that uh, Krishna has been talking about. This was it for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is produced by Müller Beck, where we help leaders create meaningful results by focusing on purpose, collaboration and culture transformation. Now, do you want to receive a short burst of inspiration to make your Monday just a little more meaningful? If you do, you can sign up for our newsletter, Meaningful Mondays. In bullet headlines, we share our recent insights from pioneers and thought leaders, provide perspective on leading meaningful businesses in a monthly article, and invite you to the occasional early bird sign-up for events and courses. To sign up, Find a link in the show notes or go to the bottom of our website at www.millerbeck.com M-O-L-L-E-R-B-E-C-K.com It will mean a lot to us. And so again, thank you so much for listening and please join us in the next episode. But until then, make sure you make it count. <laughs>